morning again. Good morning to you all here in person, also online. I know some of you are looking at me uh, that are visitors here. Thank you for being here. Like, what am I waiting on? Well, we have people that are waiting on us online to start right on time. So uh, rather than saying good morning, good morning, good morning, and then not hearing anybody online, I'll just say it one time still to us all, even though I said it like four or five times just now. Get get nervous in front of court sometimes. All right, let's have a word of prayer. Lord God in heaven, we are so grateful to you that you have allowed us to be here this morning to study another portion of your word. Thank you, Lord, for those that are members here that have been identified here to show up and also for our visitors who are from out of town. We ask, Lord, that you allow us all to be blessed by your word, that it is your word and not our own. In Jesus' name, amen. So for those of you all that were missing last week uh, or are new to the class or are visitors, we've started our, our study in First and Second Peter Jude and uh, the book of uh, the letter of Philippians and we started in first the first chapter of of first Peter last week and last week we 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 talked about the theme of first Peter and something that I wanted to make sure that we understood in first Peter chapter one is that we need to remember that we are sojourners or we're pilgrims which means that we are we live here temporarily. Our souls are, are here temporarily. So we need to live our lives uh, according to the word of God because we're going to meet him one day. And we want to make sure that our souls are prepared. We can't live our lives here on this earth thinking, oh, I'll just live my life any way I want to and I'll prepare my soul for heaven. And then when I stand before God, then I'll be ready. It'll be too late then. Um, even in the midst of trials and tribulations, a Christian can find hope and, and grace. That's what we should pull from First uh, Peter. Today we'll begin our study in Second Peter, um, starting at verse one. I think what we'll do is we'll go ahead and read um, the chapter, and then we'll have a, a summation, and then go back through it and have some more discussion. It says there in First Peter chapter two, verse one: Therefore, laying aside all malice, all deceit, hypocrisy, envy, and all evil speaking, as newborn babes. Desire pure milk of the word that you may grow thereby, if indeed you have tasted the, um, the excuse me tasted that the Lord is gracious. Coming to Him as to a living stone, rejected indeed by men, but chosen by God and precious. You also, as living stones, are being built up a spiritual built up a spiritual house, a holy priesthood, to offer up spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. Therefore, it is also contained in the scripture. Behold, I lay in Zion a chief cornerstone, elect precious, and he who believes on him will by no means be put to shame. Therefore, to you who believe, he is precious. But but to those who are disobedient, the stone which the builders rejected has become the chief cornerstone and a stone of stumbling, a rock of offense. They stumble, being disobedient to the word, to which they also were appointed. But you are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, his own special people, that you may proclaim the praises of him who calls you out of darkness into his marvelous light, who once were not a people, but are now the people of God, who had not obtained mercy, but now have obtained obtained mercy. Beloved, I beg you, as sojourners and pilgrims, abstain from fleshly lusts, which war against the soul having your conduct honorable among the Gentiles 
that when they speak against you as evildoers, they may, by your good works, which they observe, glorify God in the day of visitation. Therefore, submit yourselves to every ordinance of man for the Lord's sake, whether to the king as supreme or to governors as to those who are sent by him for the punishment of evildoers and for the praise of those who do good. For this is the will of God, that by doing good you may put to silence the ignorance of foolish men, as free, yet not using liberty as a cloak for vice, but as bondservants of God. Honor all people, love the brotherhood, fear God, honor the king. Servants, be submissive to your masters with all fear, not only to the good and gentle, but also to the harsh. For this is commendable, if because of conscience toward God, one endures grief, suffering wrongdoing excuse me, wrongfully. For what credit is it if, when you are beaten for your faults, you take it patiently? But when you do good and suffer, if you take it patiently, this is commendable before God. For to this you were called, because Christ also suffered for us, leaving us an example that you should follow his steps, who committed no sin, nor was deceit found in his mouth, who, when he was reviled, did not revile in return. When he suffered, he did not threaten, but committing himself to him who judges righteously who himself bore our sins in his own body on the tree that we having died to sins might live for righteousness by whose stripes you were healed for you were like sheep going astray but have now returned to the shepherd and overseer of your souls again we are in first peter chapter two and we've just read the entire chapter there the objectives in studying this particular chapter there are three is to note what is necessary in order to grow spiritually. Secondly, to reflect upon our privilege and duties as God's special people, living as sojourners and pilgrims in the world, not our home. And lastly, is to review our duty to submit to governmental authorities and to make applications of the instructions uh, to servants in our lives as employers or employees. Having described how they were born again by incorruptible word of God, uh, Peter admonishes his readers to put aside sinful attitudes and to grow spiritually with an infant-like longing for the word. And there's there's so much more in a summary that I could speak on here, but I'd I like us to get right into the word. You know, we often say here um, that it's great to read God's word, and we should read it. And it's great to have read Second First Peter chapter 2, um, and read, read it all the way through, but it's important not to just read it. We need to study it to understand it. And one of the ways that we can do that is by doing um, somewhat of a word study this morning. Uh, and we're going to look at different parts of, of the scripture here to try to get a better understanding. So in chapter uh, chapter 2, verse 1, the very first word there is therefore. What is therefore for? If you want to know what is therefore, you go back and um, at least in this, this verse, is there for a reason. It's saying because of something that has already been said. You have to go back to chapter 1 and verse 25. But the word of the Lord endures forever. Now this is the word which by the gospel was preached to you. Therefore, you see where it rolls right into there? You know, man put these, these chapter divisions in here. Um, but oftentimes when, I, when we hear Jesus or Peter or, or another one of the apostles or someone, you know, quoting scripture, they just quote it. Right? It's important that we know where it comes from. Don't, don't get me wrong. But when we're reading this, this is a letter, we, sh we should read it just like it is. Well, anyway, therefore, God, it is, Peter is saying 
that but the word of the Lord it, it endures forever it never goes away it is always there and this is the word which by the gospel we preach to you we preach this because God's word is never going away we need to help you understand it so therefore you need to make sure that you adhere to it because God is holy you need to adhere to it therefore because you have been redeemed by the blood of Christ and therefore you need to adhere to it because you are a different person you are a new creature you are a new man we need to remember that we have to be reminded of that you know Peter is talking to these folks here uh, in, the, in the dispersion that he, he he's talking to um, those that are in those um, different countries or different cities um, and so what but we need to make sure that we understand that what's said here is meant for us as well. We need to be reminded who we are because we forget just like that. Don't we? Would you agree? You know, we, we sin every day and we've forgotten God right then and there. And when we have forgotten, then we remember we need to do what? Repent, ask for forgiveness, get back on track, right? There's a reason why we partake of the Lord's Supper every first day of the week. Every first day because we've forgotten We've already forgotten. And we need to remember how much God loves us. Just in that one word, therefore. I, I ain't moved on. We need to remember that. Um, there can be no brotherly love as long as any of the following uh, or the traits of evil exist that we're going to read about in the Christian's life. All works of the flesh, such as those in Galatians 5 and other places, interfere with brotherly love. So the first one there in, in my in the version that I have here is uh, malice or, or wickedness, a special kind of moral inferiority, an evil disposition, a malignant spirit, the desire to injure someone else, the desire to injure someone else. Where is where does sin start? We talked about this last week. Where does sin start? In our hearts, right? This class, y'all can y'all can speak. Sin starts in our hearts, right here, right? James tells us about how it develops itself, right? How, how it, there's a whole process of how sin, um, it's almost like having a baby, you know, it's, it's being produced, and it's not a, it's an ugly baby at that, you know? Uh, wouldn't you agree? Sin is ugly, because God doesn't want it. God doesn't want it in our lives. He's definitely not going to have it with him. That's why he sent Jesus for us, right? Next word is there is hypocrisy. This would be like an actor or pretending in their actions. Now I want y'all to understand what Peter is saying here. He's saying, therefore, lay aside all these desires to hurt someone else. And then he says, stop being fake. Stop being a fake Christian. He's saying a Christian who is trying to, uh, to correct, who, a Christian who is trying to be correct but sins is not a hypocrite. We're not hypocrites because we sin, but only the one who is pretending to be a Christian is a hypocrite. Y'all get what I'm saying? Y'all understand that? We can't play church. We can't play being God's child. Because guess what? God knows who are his. He knows who are his. There are members of the body who have been, been baptized, been members of the body. We're probably strong Christians at one time or another, and then just kind of, okay, I'm good. I'm going to talk about that this evening during the sermon. I'm good where I'm at. I'm all right. No, Peter is going to remind us we got to keep on growing. we got to keep pressing forward. Peter doesn't say that. Paul does. But, okay, 
they're brothers, and they're our brothers, and they're they're saying the same thing. They're not contradicting. Um, another word there is envy, ill will created by the sight of the well-being of others. I'm doing well, and court doesn't like that. We're brothers and sisters. I mean, brothers in Christ, not sisters. Brothers in Christ, and court is not liking that. And so he's trying to figure out a way. What what'd you gonna say, sis? Bring me down. You mean court? No. But if you plan church, if you plan being a Christian, you can say that out loud, right? But still be having harboring um, sinful thoughts in your heart. See, it's <laughs> we need to remember, regardless of what you say or do to me, it truly is between you and God. I need you. To, we, this relationship does need to be right. Yep, just right. Well, we look the same. But when the harvester comes, many of you all have farmed. You know what it looks like. And you know, like, uh, this ain't right. This is right. Just imagine that's what's going to happen on the day of judgment. Um, as newborn babes, the idea is as babies long for or desire milk, Christians are to long for and desire spiritual food. Okay. Let's talk about this just real quick. We got so much more to go through, and we're just in the first first um, verse. Babies. All of you all have been around babies, whether they're yours or not, you babysat or, or something, or you've watched it on TV, where <laughs> the baby loves that banana. Uh, none of no, baby, baby food is disgusting. I don't even understand how we eat it. But um, you take, I'm thinking, of, I like bananas, so I know, like, the banana jar, a Gerber, whatever. That's what I'm trying to say, baby food. And I'm feeding baby Jesse, and Jesse is loving it, right? And then I switch it up, and I get it on sweet peas. What does your face do? Right, right. It scrunches all. Some babies like sweet peas, but I'm just saying, you know, it scrunches all. I don't want that. Okay, well, maybe we won't feed that baby that. God's word is so different. It don't matter if you like it or not. It does not matter. You can scrunch your face up. You can get all upset, and then you got to go back to it and say, okay, I accept it, Lord. Whether you accept it or not, though, it's true. Y'all understand that? I, what the saying is, um, God said that I believe it. I, I accept it. I believe it, so that it must be true. No, God said it. That's all it said. That's all that matters. It's true. So it, it, it can, Scripture can get us upset. It can step on our toes. Well, stretch them out. You know, put some lotion on it and keep moving forward. Because guess what? God's word is not going to change. And we need to make sure that we understand that. So that brings us all the way to evil speaking. Knowing all that, we got to get rid of this evil speaking, this slander, this affirmation of character. Um, that was in verse 1. Verse 2 talks about the newborn babes. And then it talks about being pure in verse 2. In all human wisdom, um, uh, brother, I mean, a man named Barclay said, in all human wisdom, there is some mixture of what either use, what is either useless or harmful. The word of God alone is altogether good. I know it may seem like it harms because uh, there are parts of God's word that are just so tough to get through. And that's me. I'm looking at myself, as James says, in the mirror, and I, I don't see myself because I'm not, I'm not looking like what the scripture is saying. So I got to work on that, right? I'm not perfect. I need to work on it. But sometimes I look at it and say, no, I don't, I don't like that. So I, I told y'all before, some of y'all know, um, uh, I told you that there was a brother that was studying with a sister across the table. I mean, not a sister, she, she was a um, um, studying the word, he was trying to help um, convert her to Christ and was reading Acts 2.38 and every time 
he would read that. She said, they don't say that in my Bible. They don't say nothing about baptism. And he finally went over there and grabbed her Bible. I said, let me see what version you got. Oh, your version is cut it. You cut it out. Well, I didn't want to see that. So she took a razor blade and cut that out. No, mm -mm. <laughs> we can't change. God's word is good, regardless if it, it feels like it hurts. It's God's word is good. It's for our own, our soul's um, goodness, per se. That you may grow thereby. By partaking of the right kind of spiritual food, the Christian will be sustained to the end. You can look at Ephesians chapter 4 and 2 Corinthians 3 and 2 Peter 3.18 to get a, a better understanding of that. Verse 3 he talks about, if indeed you have, um, since you have tasted, as, you, as you're looking at the scripture there, since you have tasted a, a small sample of the goodness of God, gracious as God's word is, good and useful and beneficial. Remember we talked about last week um, how... I believe is is it in Job that talks about um, the the edge of God's greatness of His power, all that we've seen, everything that's around is just a little bit of what God can do. What God has done for is just I mean, other other than other than like Christ coming for us. That's that's huge. But the point I'm getting at is that we don't even understand the greatness, the powerfulness of God. And we're looking for more. I don't know that we can't handle it. Not in this form. We can. Think about it. God, Moses said, I want to see your face. He said, well, you can't see me, but I'll put my hand over your face and I'll pass by you. I don't, I don't, my arm can't do that. God is God, right? I'll pass by and you'll see my back, right? Because you can't see me because no man has seen God and lived, right? And even, even then, dad and, and him talking to God and not seeing him, Moses' face still shone. Y'all do realize that that when we read it the one time about Moses' face shining and he has bell on, Moses forever on had that on because he was in the presence of the Lord. Do we shine like that when we're in the presence of the Lord? We're in the presence always, especially when we have his word open and we're reading it. People will see God shine through us if we stay in his word. Um, I think Tony talked about it last week. You cannot read God's word, stay in God's word, and not change. You're either going to change for the good, and it better be for the good, or you're going to walk away from it. But you're going to change. You're not going to stay the same. The word won't, it won't, it just won't allow you to. Verse 4 talks about being rejected. It says there, coming to him as a, as to a living stone, rejected indeed by men. Uh, reject after trial and examination. Um, it also talks about that in Romans one twenty eight. But then it says that in verse 5, it talks about a royal priesthood. So when we think about priests or the priesthood, we immediately, maybe you don't, but I do, I immediately think about the Old Testament under the old law, the priests um, that would officiate the worship for um, the Israelites, or yeah, for the Israelites um, within the temple. But we are a royal priesthood. We, all of us that are members of the Lord's body, all Christians, Aren't you thankful that you don't uh, have to go through, let's say, um, Josh. Josh is our royal priest, and we always got to go through Josh. But what's the problem with that, Josh? What's, what's the problem with me always having to go through? Talking about today, me going through you for you to talk to God for me. What's, what's the problem with that? You might always be around. What else, y'all? You get tired of it, what else? 
He he would get tired of it, right? I would too. I want to go Josh because he ain't always around. What's what's the obvious thing? It's three letters. Thank you. Thank you. He don't know mine. I definitely don't know his. Because we all what? Sin. Jesus didn't. So I'm thankful, though. I don't have to go through Josh. I know he's thankful also. Because I can go to God myself. I don't have to wait. I don't have to wait. We don't have to wait. God is available for all of us. Right now. He's not like like me when... um, sitting in the probation office and I can only see one offender at a time because I can only handle one person at a time. God can handle all and then some. And I'm thankful for that. I know you are too. I know you're saying in your head, I am too, right? Right. All right. In verse 5, it also talks about spiritual sacrifices. Now, we what we need to understand here in verse 5 where it says, um, to offer up spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ when we think about sacrifices at least I do the very first thing I think about is the Old Testament and I realize I don't have any sheep in my backyard at home or any other cattle right? that I have constantly continued to I don't know if I could be a good a good Israelite because I, <laughs> I don't like blood so I just I wanted to be a doctor one day and then we started having babies and I was like no I can't, I can't do it and so we're not obviously talking about those type of sacrifices. To distinct, these are distinguishable um, between the sacrifices that happen under the law of Moses and what happens now. To conform to the nature of the spiritual house, not the physical. The old, under the old law is more physical. This is under the new law is spiritual. Not a physical priest like Aaron or um, the, whole, the holy priest uh, uh, Josh, which he's not, right? Not, not by himself. We're all a royal priesthood is to conform to the God who receives the sacrifices. To give a better understanding, turn over to Hebrews chapter 13. Hebrews chapter 13. <clears throat> Looking at verse uh, 15, the scripture there says, Therefore, by him let us continually offer the sacrifice of praise to God. That is the fruit of our lips giving thanks to his name but do not forget to do good and to share for with such sacrifices God is well pleased hopefully that helps you understand what what Peter is talking about there and you can also see John chapter 14 verse 6 and Malachi 3 3 going back to 1 Peter chapter 2 verse 6 it talks about a chief cornerstone it had to be and Jesus was a true stone um, verse 7 and 8 speaks of <clears throat> being appointed. Let's see. I wanted to read that again. Verse 7 says, Therefore, to you who believe, he is precious. But to those who are disobedient, the stone which the builders rejected has become the chief priest, excuse me, chief cornerstone, and a stone of stumbling and a rock of offense. They stumble, being disobedient to the word to which they also were appointed. They were appointed because of their stumbling. They were not stumbling because they were appointed to stumble. God didn't provide Jesus and allow us a way back to him for us to go, as Paul talks about, to keep on sinning because, well, we have salvation. We don't 
we don't stumble because salvation has come. Um, look, look at Romans chapter nine. chapter 9 verse 32 says why because they did not seek it by faith let's go to verse 30 what shall we say then that Gentiles who, do, who did not pursue righteousness have attained to righteousness even the righteousness of faith but Israel pursuing the law of righteousness has not attained to the law of righteousness why because they did not seek it by faith but as it were, by the words of the law, for they stumbled at that stumbling stone, as it is written. Those who stumbled at the word do so because they are disobedient. This disobedience is the natural fruit fruit of unbelief. <clears throat> the words to which they were also appointed do not mean that they were uh, predestined to such a uh, disobedience, but because such stumbling is an inevitable, um, inevitable result of unbelief. God has ordained those that, that, that to those who disbelieve, Christ is a stone of stumbling and a rock of offense against which all shall destroy themselves. Here's a way that I was trying to understand it a little bit better for myself. Um, think about Pharaoh of old. Pharaoh, the one that always comes to mind um, that God through Moses and Aaron over and over and over and over, you know, said, let my people go. And he wasn't in the plagues what happened, right? <clears throat> it says that God hardened his heart. It wasn't that God reached down and made his heart a stone. It was that God knew his character, just like God knows ours, just like we know character, uh, uh, the character and the, the being of some folks, that if I say this, I do that, this is probably what's going to happen. God knew. There's no, no probably. This is what's going to happen. Um, we were talking about this at home uh, either yesterday or the day before um, about how you know Pharaoh probably would have kept on living if he hadn't chased after them and even when he was chasing after them God put a cloud and a pillar of fire between them and him and yet he still chased after them He's, his heart was still hardened and the, and, the, and the waters separated. And I'm just thinking, me, Jaylee Jackson, okay, fire and, water, and cloud, maybe, but I ain't never seen that. I ain't going through there because eventually the water, just me thinking. But but you see what happens when, um, we've, we've talked about this before, when we are so caught up in sin, we don't act like ourselves. We, we, we need a Snickers, you know, like the Snickers commercial. You know, you're not, you're not yourself. Here's a Snickers, right? And I don't want to compare God's word to the Snickers, but I want to get your, under, your understanding of is that we don't act like ourselves when we're so caught up in sin. And then when we come to our senses, we, we should repent and ask God for forgiveness and move on, right? And not keep going back to that. But sometimes that drags us back down. And then when we realize that we need to, we need to get, let it go and get back right with God. And that can be hard to do. But as Christians, don't we should not allow ourselves to keep stumbling over those things, going back to what our past was. Because God loves us too much and so much. <clears throat> Getting back on track here with the lesson. Um, a stone of st stumbling and a rock of offense is, quote, is a quote from Isaiah 8, 13 through 14. 
in verse 9, it says that we are a chosen generation or elect race, the, the called out and now the spiritual Israel. You can compare that to Abraham's seed in the Galatians 3.29 and the called in 2 Thessalonians 2.14. It says that we're a royal priesthood in verse 9. Brothers of Christ the King, Revelations 1.6. We're a holy nation, a spiritual nation ruled by a king. Turn over to 1 Corinthians chapter 6. Well, we'll see that as he talks about us being a peculiar people, as a people for God's own possessions, own possession, God's own people. 1 Corinthians chapter 6, uh, starting at verse 19, it says there, in verse 19, circumcision is nothing, and uncircumcision is nothing. But keeping the commandments of God is what matters. Let each one remain in the same calling in which he was called. But keeping the commandments of God is what matters. You know, in a museum, we find quite ordinary things. I was thinking about a museum that I've been to uh, in, in Kansas City, um, Missouri. I remember going to that museum, actually liking a lot of the stuff I saw until I remember walking around the corner. And right here on the left side, there, I, I, I didn't know at first what it was. I thought it was just, I don't know like that thermostat on the wall. But it was a frame, and inside this frame was a little piece of paper with a little mark like that. And then it had a little sign on it saying it's, it's worth this much money. I said, you got to be kidding me. What's so special about that? That's how we are. When we come to the Lord, we, we don't feel like we're anything special. We're just that little mark, right? And we're just this little... <clears throat> This little thing, this little tick that's on earth. I mean, God is so immense and so powerful. Why does he love me so much? But that's because we're, I'm a special person to him. I'm peculiar. I am strange. I have no problem saying that. Because God has made us who we are through his son. We are different from the world. We should be different from the world. We should look different. We should act different. We should dress different. We should talk different. We should Everything about us should be different so that when people see us, you are different. You're strange. What's wrong with you? You know? There's nothing wrong with me. I'm a Christian. And I want to follow what God's word says. But that looks peculiar to, to a lot of folks. But because of that, we want to proclaim to folks when they say, hey, um, Liz, you, you're strange. Tell them why you're strange. Tell them about Jesus. Tell them about God. That's your that's your opportunity. That's your door. But what does the song say? Here's your sign. Here's your sign. I'm, I don't know what to say to people. Tell them, start where you can. Tell them where you're at right now. Tell them how you start. We all came to Christ. All of us. You too. All of us that are in, in Christ came to Christ from different stuff in our life different things that were going on. Some of us grew up in the midst of the church. That doesn't mean anything. You all know that, don't you? You can sit right here in these blue chairs and never learn a thing. It's just here. Some of us were not, had no part of church. Some of us came from um, denominations. Some of us never even heard of the Bible or the church or anything like that. Some of us are so deep into sin, knowing we were in sin, and I'm going to still do it anyway. Some of us are so deep in sin, we didn't even, we didn't know. That's, that's just what I know. We all came from different walks of life, but there was only one way, one way to God, right? And so that's why we got to keep in God's word, keep growing, so that we can, you know, continue to shake off those shackles that we voluntarily put back on. Um, 
because we can't take that with us to heaven. Those that have not obtained mercy means that God has no pity on, on them. I'm glad God has shown mercy and grace upon us. You can look in Romans chapter 9 um, when he talks about that. We even, we've even been studying here lately. I know Tony has been going to Hosea um, as he's been going through all the books of the Bible to show us Jesus. Hosea was supposed to marry a woman um, who, of harlotry, and she had children. And, he, and God said, name this one, this one, this one, this one. He had her name a daughter, him name a daughter, Lo-Ruhamah. Um, which means no pity, means no pity. And James two thirteen talks about mercy, mercy and glories, uh, mercy glories over judgment. Moving on, as as time is getting away from us this morning, we we get to chapter, I mean verse eleven, and verse eleven through chapter three, verse twelve, really talks about our relationships with one another, our Christian relationships. He says there in verse eleven. Um, <clears throat> But even if she does, I'm oh, sorry, I'm looking in uh, first, first Corinthians there. Verse 11 of chapter 2 of uh, First Peter. Beloved, I beg you as sojourners and pilgrims, abstain from fleshly lusts which war against your soul, having your conduct honorable among the Gentiles, that when they speak against you as evildoers, they may, by your good works, which they have observed, glorify God in the day of visitation. He says, I, I beg you. I call alongside you. I, I want to give you some, some friendly advice. I want to let you know what God wants from you. Because I know, because, you know, through, through the Holy Spirit, he has told me. I, I, I'm, this is right from God. You need to know that you need to remember that you are a foreigner here. Your soul is not going to last here forever. It's going to last forever, not here on earth. And knowing that, you need to understand that you need to hold back from all these fleshly lusts, these desires, these things that, you know, that war against your soul. Uh, the scripture says it's, it's, it's not you and me that I should be fighting against or warning. This is those powers and principalities, those things I can't see. But I have power to go against because of Christ. I have power to stand, stand firm. God tells us to do what? Put on the whole armor. We put on the whole armor, right? Men, some of us in here have served uh, in the military. Some of us have served, you know, a law enforcement or something like that. We, we've worn uh, flight vests and all, all this gear that's so heavy and stuff to try to protect us. And even then, sometimes it doesn't, it doesn't do the job and it sometimes gets blown off and things like that. What, what, I, what I get from wearing the whole armor of God so that in the end, I'm still able to stand. Even even then, God is still for me. God is still there, but he. But I got to do my part. I got to do my part. We can't just expect that God's going to do everything and we do nothing. We have to do our part, and so we need to abstain from fleshly lusts and desires. And then at verse twelve, it talks about in the day of visitation, any visitation or action of God as a rewarder or as an avenger. Now, here here's something I want you to think about. I don't know if God and, and Satan had a um, conversation about me. Like God had those conversations about Job with, with Satan. And I don't know all the things that God is doing in my life right now. Because I, 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 I know 
is good things. It's always going to be good things. I don't, I don't know the future. I don't know what God is doing, but I know that he's doing what he's doing. So I need to make sure that I'm acceptable to him every time. Because he's here. He's here. We imagine God being in heaven. He is. But I think about, um, let's see, the Tower of Babel. God said, let us go down and see what they're doing. Right? I don't know if God is doing that today. I know God is still the same God. What I, when I'm, what I mean is that I don't have a, it's not on my phone to tell me, okay, God's going to show up today. He's here all the time. So let me, are y'all hearing what I'm saying? That through this whole chapter, Peter is saying, keep your soul right with God. And here's how you do it. You got to keep growing. You got to get all these distractions out of the way. You have to keep focusing on God. Keep focusing on him. Because when you do that, others will see that and want to know, why does he or she do that? Y'all know it. People come to you all the time. They're like, why? Why? And then they, whatever the question is. Or sometimes they're, they're some of the meanest people that come to you and you're around. But when they need somebody to pray for them, you're the first person they go to. Verse 13 and 14 talks about an ordinance. Uh, obeying all the laws of any corrupt government if you live within its jurisdiction and if it does not violate God's law. Listen, uh, I am not trying to be political up here this morning. I don't even know what, 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 how to do that. I'm still trying to figure that out. Really, Not really. I don't want to know. But know this, that it doesn't matter who's in government, who's in power. God wants us to obey the laws. But if those laws contradict what God's word is saying, we need to stick with God's word. We need to stick with God's word. Look at Acts chapter 5 right quick in verse 29. <clears throat> Acts chapter 5 in verse 29. This is, you know, these brothers were preaching God's word. In verse 28, it's saying, did did we not strictly command you not to teach in this name? And look, you have filled Jerusalem with your doctrine and intend to bring this man's blood on us. But Peter and the other apostles answered and said, we ought to obey God rather than man. Now we can take and try to twist that as much as we want against whatever we want to attach it to. When someone says, well, you can't do what God says for you to do, and they're going to call it something else, I'm, uh, I'm going to, you know, you should have toleration for things. And that. Listen, God's word says this. I don't know, what else am I supposed to do? It don't say anything different. I, I, it's there. It's right there. How do you get that wrong? How do you, how do you see anything else? How do you read anything else into it? It's because I want to see what's not there. I want to take out. Or put in what I want to put in. You know, people have gone to the point where they've created these other versions of the Bible that include what they want it to say. So be careful, you all. Especially, I've said it before, when you're going out and choosing the Bible, make sure, you know, just go to some key verses that you know. Go to them. Does it say that? Did it leave it out? Maybe there's a reason why this version of the Bible left it out. I don't know. It Does it explain that? It's, you, I just we, we can't just depend on man. You can't depend on, you can't, y'all better not be depending on me. Don't be depending on me. I'm just a man. You better study God's word. There's so much more to, that I could be talking about today because there's so much more to this. Uh, and, and I'm not because of, of time, but you need to be doing this. Not just me. I'm just facilitating, you know. 
I see everybody shaking their heads and saying, yeah, that's right. Make sure you get into God's word because it's, it's your soul that you have to give an account for. All right. He talks about praising um, in verse 14. This passage has shown God's twofold purpose for all governments. Punishment of the evildoers and praise to them that, that do well. Um, let's get to, I want us to get to, oh, we're almost done. I don't know what I'm doing. Uh, I want us to, to, to really talk about how, in verse 15, of chapter 2 there, of Peter, 1 Peter, it says, For this is the will of God, that by doing good you may put to silence the ignorance of foolish men. Defeat evil talk and actions by your Christian behavior. When Plato was told a certain person was making slanderous charges against him, he responded, I will live in such a way that no one will believe what he says. And in verse 16, it says, as free, any great Christian doctrine can be perverted into an excuse for evil. As, as he's talk, talking about there in verse 15, 16, this is the point I want to get at. We have liberty. We have mercy and grace and, uh, from God. We have we, we receive exceedingly abundantly above all blessings that we can ever imagine or not imagine. Things that we haven't even come to mind. You, you ever been, and I know you have, so blessed by God, it's like, oh, it's almost too much. You know, I don't have enough. You know, it's like, thank you, God. Thank you, God. Thank you, God. And I'm, I'm highly favored and pra- I'm praised and favored by, by the Lord. And I you start getting this attitude that like I can't do no wrong. And even if you call it wrong, it's not wrong. Don't wear your Christianity as a cloak to do anything you want to do. Harry Potter has a cloak that he puts on him and he can just disappear. We don't have that. Okay? We, we're still out in the world. And we represent God. I tell my kids when we when they, when they first start a job, every every job they have started, as I'm taking them to work, I'm fortunately able to take them the first time. It's like, listen, remember that you are whatever that company is. You are Fred Meyer. You are Whataburger. Some of y'all from Texas know Whataburger. Uh, you are whatever. You you are the face of that company. So if they tell you you have to put your shirt in your pants and wear the tie and put a hat and whatever, then you have to wear the little pin over here, you do that. And do that to the best of your ability, not because of them, but because of God first. But you do well and you do, you do right. Remember that you are a Christian, all of us. I'm, t- I'm giving you all that advice too. I'm giving myself advice. Remember, you are a Christian first. Do it because God will have it to you. But because you're a Christian, that means you have to go in and represent God. You can't just go in there and be like everybody else. Because they're doing it. I don't want to be different than them because they're going to call me strange and peculiar. God already called you that. So act accordingly. Right? All right. Next week, we're going to get into chapter 3. We'll probably get a little bit in chapter 4 as well. Um, I, I, I trust and pray that you will go home and study this for yourself. Um, I know there are some things that we've we skipped over for time's sake. But I hope you get the gist of what Peter is saying here. Be holy. Because God is holy. Your conduct needs to to represent who you belong to. Your your parents sold you just like mine did. You better not go out there and mess up my name, my good name. Don't go out there and mess up God's good name. Let's have a prayer. Lord God in heaven, we are so grateful to you for your word. And we thank you, Lord God, for allowing us to be here now to 
take some time to study it and now to be able to go into a period of worship. And we pray, Lord, that what we offer you, you're so pleased by. In Jesus' name, amen. And we are dismissed.